Basketball in LA is unmatched. All the opportunities that I've ever been given in my life came from being here in LA. People might think it's cool because, you know, Hollywood, the weather. No, man, it's beautiful out here, but at the same time, it's hardcore. In LA, you can get embarrassed to quit. <laughs> Los Angeles is the mecca of basketball. I think it's transitioned from the East Coast now to the West Coast. It's a little flashy. Laid back, smooth skills, but at the same time, got a lot of dog. This is Game Behind the Game, a podcast designed to shed light on the individuals that have impacted the basketball culture of the greater LA area. These players, coaches, and trainers have had their own unique impact on the growth of the LA hoop scene but not the opportunity to share their wisdom and experiences on a greater platform. The goal is to inspire the next generation to do the things that inspire them the most and help create a platform that will impact others by building lasting relationships in the basketball community. To show the youth how to navigate the same issues that may have held back previous eras. To build the work ethic and leadership needed to advance their basketball careers. And most importantly, to motivate and stimulate the personal development of players inside and outside of their athletic identity. Uh, my name is Robert Valentine. Uh, I'm 29 years old. And then uh, what got you into basketball? Uh, got me into basketball. Uh, I remember my. I remember watching my first game with my dad. Um, this is when I remember starting with basketball. My mother told me that my first words were ever ever was ball. Um, and supposedly I had a ball in my crib, so maybe that's what got me started. But I remember watching uh, Jordan. I remember watching Jordan play against play against uh, Clyde Drexler. Uh, I don't remember what year it was exactly, but Jordan was playing against Clyde Drexler, and he made a move on the baseline. And when he made the move on the baseline, he did a really nice up and under. And I told my dad I wanted to be able to do that. And after that, he started to take me outside and work with me, help me shoot, help rebound stuff and stuff like that. So that's really how I got started in basketball. During my years of playing as a kid, I wasn't the best. I was always kind of just a guy that was one dimensional. I could just shoot the ball really well. Uh, I didn't do a lot of anything else. No dribbling, no running, no nothing. Just sit me in a corner and shoot. Uh, we had some really good players. We had a guy named Thomas Franco who had a crazy handle. Uh, we had another dude named Roman who shot the lights out. So I was, it was easy for me to just sit in the corners. And um, then, you know, as I got about 13, 14 years old, uh, I met a guy named Dwight Hayes who, who worked as a coach for the Pacoima Rough Riders. Uh, it was the first AAU team I'd ever played on. I didn't know anything about AAU basketball or anything like that. But he taught me how to become a more, a more three-dimensional player, somebody that could run, shoot, and pass. Uh, and he also taught me the, 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 the importance of defense and understanding why defense was such a respectful thing and not just a basketball movement. And he taught me that defense was the thing that made players and not the offense. He said, if you could play defense, and still play offense, then you're great. If you can only play one, you're nothing. So that's, that's, that, that, that helped me a lot in AAU. Uh, as I got better in AAU, um, my transition took me to bigger teams. So I played with the Pasadena ARC. I played with, uh, I played with the Southern California All-Stars. 
I played with the treetop ballers from New York one year. Um, so I played a lot of different places and worked with a lot of different teams. Um, and then, you know, then high school ball. Uh, high school ball was a very touchy situation for me because my brothers, um, they all played high school for Kennedy High School. And all of them got kicked off the basketball team because of gang-related things. They were all very hard people. They did a lot of crime. They did a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, the coach didn't want me to be a part of the team. The coach said, the second he heard that my name was Valentine, he told me that I couldn't play. Uh, he was like, I don't want to deal with any more Valentines. You guys have always been knuckleheads, you know, that type of thing. And uh, I just felt like it was a really, really disrespectful thing, but I felt like I needed to, I felt like I needed to prove him wrong. So I asked him to let me come try out. And he said I would have to try out for JV. And that upset me because I wasn't a JV player at the time and I didn't think I would have to play JV. So I went and tried out for JV and the JV coach told me, you need to go over to varsity practice. So when I got to varsity practice, he didn't let me practice for the first 30 minutes of practice. And then he threw me in in fives and he said, show me what you got. And his best player at the time, Marcel Sample, uh, he was a sophomore and he thought that he was, you know, pretty good. And as a fresh, as, as an eighth grader, I basically just dismantled him. Like I basically just took over the game and the team became mine as an eighth grader. And my ninth grade year, because the coach was, was trying to make a point, he made me play JV for two games. And he told me if I could average over 25 a game for two games that he would move me up to varsity. So the first two games that I played JV, I, I had 32, 12, and 11. Then the second game I had 46, 12 and 12. And after that, I didn't, I didn't touch JV again. I played varsity all four years. Uh, I reached accolades of, um, you know, all city first team, all state first team, um, Mr. Basketball California, and honorable mention to All-American. Um, that had to do with grades. I never was good in, with grades. So uh, that, that had to do with grades. Um, I got recruited by a lot of big time schools. And once the schools found out that I wasn't in the NCAA clearinghouse, a lot of them, a lot of them went away. The only school that stuck around was the University of Arkansas. And uh, Nolan Richardson recruited me there and I went there my freshman year in 2006. Uh, and from, from, no, not 2006, my freshman year of, of collegiate basketball, 2008. Uh, I, took a year, I took a year off and then I did a year of junior college. Um, but I went to the University of Arkansas and I redshirted. And during my redshirt, Nolan Richardson had a heart attack during practice and he then resigned from the team. So I had to change, I, I changed schools because I didn't want to play for another coach. So I went to a school called Ecclesia College uh, and I played there until 2011. And in 2011, I was invited by, by one of my good friends who I won't say his name, um, but he, I was invited to Oklahoma City to try out on a private tryout to try to make the team. Um, yeah. So I, I, I went to that tryout, I played well, and I had my first, first serious injury during, that, during the camp. Um, 
and I hurt my lower back, and I, I, my nerve went sciatic. And that put me out for a year and about six months. Um, after that, uh, I went out and I wanted to play basketball again. After they told me I wasn't going to be able to play basketball again, I wanted to play. So I met a guy who we were just talking to, a guy by the name of Steve Hodge. Uh, we were playing basketball at LA Fitness. And uh, me and him were going shot for shot, battle for battle. And eventually I got a, I got a little upset and I turned it on and I, you know, I got, I got him out of the way. Uh, after, after, after we played, he asked me what, what was I doing? And I said I was trying to get overseas. And then he broke down his resume to me and showed me all the places he had played and everything and said that he could help me get my first job. So I started training with him and he showed me a lot about basketball and training. Uh, and then, you know, he got me my first job in England. I played well in England. I had a couple breakout games, some, some 58s, some 60-point games in England. Uh, did pretty well there, and from there, life just changed. You know, I traveled the world. Uh, I played in Germany. I played in Italy, France. I played in, you know, I played in Estonia. I played in Russia. Uh, I played in uh, Dubai and Turkey. And, you know, different cups, different tournaments, different tours. You know, so for a span of about six years, seven years, I, I traveled the world playing basketball, you know, made good money. And, you know, now, now my transition is going into the training side. That's dope. That's dope. What would you probably say was, actually, no, I'll start with this. What would you tell your younger self? If you could tell your younger self anything, like looking back with what you have right now, like with the knowledge you have right now. If I was gonna say something to my younger self now, what I would have to say is sacrifice more. Sacrifice more and complain less. Sacrifice more, complain less, and your goals will be achieved. That's what I would say. What would you say was your most difficult moment in your career up to date? I would say my most difficult moment in my career was, uh, was when I was in college. I was at, the, I was at, I was at Ecclesia College, and uh, we had just came back from a road game. We were on our way home, and my, my brother, Andrew Cartwright, who I had been living with since high school, um, he he called me and he told me that one of our brothers had passed away. Uh, Daniel Cartwright, he had, he had some issues, drug-related issues, and he, uh, he ended up getting into a very bad car accident, and he was pronounced, he was pronounced dead when my, when my family got to the, got to the hospital. Uh, it was a very hard time for me because I felt like, I felt anger, I felt upset, but I, I, I also didn't know the people that I was at school with. So I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't have a way to, to, to get it out. There was no outlet for me. And it was a very hard situation because, you know, I had just talked to Daniel. Um, you know, he was telling me that he was proud of me and that he wanted me to keep going in basketball. And, you know, he was happy to be my brother. Um, and that, that, was a, that was a very touchy time for me. Very hard time for me in basketball. 
to hear about that one, man. I didn't even know all that went down. Yeah. Aside from that, what was your most memorable basketball moment? Or most memorable moment of your career up to date, that you can say? For me, it was getting, getting the honor of Mr. Basketball in California in 2006. Uh, there's a lot of people that want player of the year in high school, but I wanted to be the best player in California. I wanted to be the number one guy in California. I didn't want anyone to be or have that ranking over me. Um, and I always told myself that I was the best. I always, I always told myself every morning when I was playing or whatever I was doing that I was the best at what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I, I actually achieved that goal and that dream of being the best player in, in Southern California, which was, was huge for me. It was very big for me. That's crazy. Okay. Um, if you could describe your career in one word, what would it be? Extraordinary. Not one word or two. That's one word. Extraordinary. <laughs> Extraordinary. 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 There you go. Extraordinary. Why do you say that? Um, the reason being is because I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be playing. I shouldn't be... I actually shouldn't be alive. Uh, you know, I did a lot of bad things as a kid growing up, trying to trying to cope with my brothers and trying to be like my brothers. And instead of me sticking to what they stuck to, I went to another level. And I was doing things that I definitely shouldn't have been doing. And when I was 18 years old, uh, I had to do something with one of my friends. And in the midst of that, there was a gun fight and uh, I was being shot at. And I was actually, uh, I actually was hit by a bullet with a flesh wound. Um, it was the worst pain that I'd ever heard, felt in my life. I broke my fibula when I was a kid and that didn't really, it was hurtful, but it didn't hurt like this. Um, and uh, that was when I decided that I was gonna allow basketball to take over my life and stop everything else. So that's why I say it's, it's extraordinary because um, some people, they have this, they have a, they have a, you know, a father missing or a mother missing, or they, they, they didn't know their parents, or they were homeless, or something like that. And I think for me, I had a father and a mother and brothers and sisters. Uh, I come from a big family, but they couldn't stop me from where I was going. It had to take God or a higher power to show me that something serious could happen to me for me to stop. And with that, I actually got a second chance at basketball. Was, you know, two inches to the left, and that bullet actually goes through my arm, and I may not be able to use my forearm the correct way for the rest of my life, and maybe never be able to play professional sports. So, you know, that, that, that to me, I think that's the reason why I say an extraordinary situation because I'm a kid that went to a small school, uh, you know, came out of that small school with no name and made a career out of it. Last question before we just have like a regular conversation. Um, what does LA basketball mean to you? L.A. basketball, to me, the name L.A. basketball, to me, means the mecca. Uh, to me, it means the best of the best, the cream of the crop. 
It means that if, you, if you're serious about the game and you want to test your mettle against guys that really play for their life, you come here and you see what you got. The reason why the Drew is called, the, the saying for the Drew is called no excuse, just produce, is because we don't play with the, with the, with the, with the understanding of losing. We don't have that concept. We're like Navy SEALs. We find a way to win. So it doesn't matter if you're from New York, New Jersey, wherever you're from, when you come here, you got to bring your A game. And if you don't, you're going to get exposed. And that's just the way LA is. LA is very cutthroat. You know, we got the worst type of traffic. So I guess it, I guess it angers our, our players. And we got we to gotta drive far and we got to sit in traffic in order to in order to get there, so by the time we get there, we got so much, so much built-up frustration that we gotta let it out. And uh, you know, inner city kids, they got it worse because you know they go through the problems of the inner city. They go through the racial content and things like that. And um, you know, it's they're just different breeds of animals here. You know, you don't catch, you don't catch the same breed of player like when you go to New York and you go to Philly and you go to these places where. You know, they got weather problems and things like that. We're, we have perfect weather, so every day you can get it in. And there's, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. You just produce. That's it. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you have someone in mind that has a story that you think should be heard, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the game behind the game and leave us a message. If you have any questions or comments, email us at gamebehindthegame@gmail.com. at gmail.com. In the meantime, help spread the word to anyone that you think may enjoy and or benefit from this podcast. And if you haven't yet, go to either Apple or Spotify podcast to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Your input and experiences are what keep us going. 